Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. God's moving in Project Church, and we're so glad that you're here for the opening message of the sermon series, uh, Love Lockdown. Y'all ready to get locked up? And all of the men waiting to propose are shaking in their boots. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. I totally laughed at my own joke. But how's everybody doing? Yes. How many people were here for Vision Sunday just a few weeks back? Yeah, well, if you weren't, (laughs) I'm going to tell you something that you didn't know, but the word of the year for Project Church is that we are kingdom. We are a kingdom that based off of Hebrews 12, 28, and 29 are a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen? And so we want to be a kingdom that is not shaken. So every single one of you, can I tell you, if you have given your life to Jesus, you said you are the king of my heart, you're the Lord of my life. If you have confessed that, then you are a part of the kingdom because you confessing that makes you a son or a daughter of the most high king, the most high God, the one and only good father. So if we're all kingdom here, I believe that it's a perfect segue from Vision Sunday and understanding the glory of God and his kingdom to this relationship series, Love Lockdown, that the kingdom of God is based off of, is built on relationships here on earth. God builds his kingdom through relationships and the kingdom hinges on the love that is expressed in these relationships. So relationships are so important for us to fulfill the mission and vision that God has given Project Church to lead all people to life and freedom in Jesus, but to also in 2024 and beyond, and we have been doing it, but we're uniting around that idea today and this year that we are the kingdom and the kingdom must advance. And there's no better series than to talk about his love and his love in kingdom and kingdom advancement than a relationship series. All right, you ready? All right, so Mark 12, 30 through 31, and I read this in the message last week, but this is really the foundation of what we're jumping into. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. That first commandment, very vertical, right? And sometimes it's like, oh yeah, God and I, we're good, we're good. Well, who's going to tell you that God and you are good? So some of you are saying, oh, I'm good. I don't need you. You're being held accountable to hopefully the Holy Spirit. But if you're not, I think you're ignoring the rest of the body of Christ because you don't want accountability. When you say things with a smile, I, I've said this a few times. When you say things with a smile, it comes off a little bit better. I'm not trying to be snarky. I, I just have realized in my life when I have excluded the people that God has placed around me, perhaps it's not because it's perhaps because I don't want to be held accountable. And what is important is that we can say that we have a relationship with God and hopefully the spirit is speaking to you and holding you accountable and you are accountable to him and him alone, but who is holding you accountable in that relationship to him? 
What is the fruit of your life speaking? Whatever the fruit is showing, that is permission to speak for the brothers and sisters in the kingdom. So relationships build the kingdom of God. We have to keep our love unlock. Love unlock. Can you tell that Caleb gave us the sermon title of this series? All right? Keep your love unlock. My husband is way more relevant than me. Actually, he's not here right now. He's preaching in Tulsa, Oklahoma at a friend's church that we love, Chris and his family. And he's watching a lot of basketball because his boys play D1 basketball and the high level of high school basketball. So... Pray for Caleb on his way home. And if you didn't pray for me uh, this week, yeah, it's fine. I was good alone. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. I I am grateful um, for the opportunity to soak up all that time with my kids. Actually, this weekend, we had a lot of basketball. I had to coach for Caleb um, because he's the coach of my boys' basketball team. And unfortunately, my pride took a major hit. Major hit, very conflicted in my spirit over a um, a one-point loss that ruined our perfect record. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. Jesus is not about me. It's about the kids, all right? It's a wreck ball, Chrissy. Calm down. Okay. So relationships build the kingdom of God. We have to keep our love on lock. And so here's what we're talking about in the next few weeks. Week one today, we are talking about conflict and communication. Cool? And then week two sanctification and sex on lock. And I said it like that to warn some parents who sometimes bring their kids in here, um, even if you're late and it's not possible to get your kids uh, dropped off. Um, We may make allowances, especially because next week talking about sanctification and sex will be a little bit more PG-13, okay? Um, And if you're not with that, then see you the week after. Just kidding. I encourage you, come. Everybody needs to come next week and you are all hopefully above 13. Come, please. Okay, week three, leadership and love unlock. And week four, selflessness and seasons unlock. And finally, trauma and triggers unlock. All right, so we're gonna get this unlock so that we can have love unlock. Um, and we really intentionally plan for this series to be able to um, touch those who are married, who are dating, and who are hopefully not mating unless they're married, but uh, dating, relating, and... <laughs> so let's keep our love unlock. All right, you ready for this? All right, well, let's talk about a few uh, stages in relationships first. Um, And I think that this can actually apply to not just married relationships, not just dating relationships, okay? So the, the three stages that we typically see in relationships are number one, the honeymoon stage. The honeymoon, the honey, the honey is sweet. It's sweet and you just love each other and you see no wrong. You don't even smell their bad breath, right? in the honeymoon series, season. And then in uh, the second season, you hit disillusionment. Disillusionment phase is where there's a little bit of a letdown. There's some disappointment that rise to the surface. So disillusionment, it's when you finally start realizing that their breath is stink, okay? You know, there's a reality here. Here's what my mentor in college, she used to say, Alicia Choley, disillusionment can be described as the painful gaining of reality. The painful gaining of reality. I think about a man when he realizes that his woman 
doesn't look the same as she does with makeup on as without it, okay? Uh, I could say quite the opposite of that, oh, that man looked different in the dim lights with the and the strobe lights going. And then I saw him in the light, bright light at dessert at Rick's diner and the lights are really bright there. And it was like, whoa, he looks way different. His dance moves made him look better than he actually does. Okay, anyway, sorry. Disillusionment can happen after years and months and days and in that case, uh, minutes, okay? Or in a friendship, a friend stops having the same interests as you. You move out of seasons and it's like, oh, our season's not gonna be the same forever? Disillusionment, right? And then in work, you're not finding fulfillment in it anymore. You don't find the fulfillment that you hoped for. So now you see your boss as a promise breaker, right? The promise breaker. And maybe, maybe you're gonna start blaming that boss for the fulfillment that you are no longer finding, but that's really you're understanding the reality of the situation around you. This is disillusionment. In these phases of disillusionment, conflict happens, right? Conflict internally, conflict between you and the other person, and there are two realities that are gained. Number one, you, rea you realize that you will not meet 100% of that other person's expectations. Number one. And number two, you find out that you, or he or she, or the person, or both of you, are self-centered. And pride comes. I'm not saying that these are the only two sources of conflict, but those are very often uh, reasons for disillusionment and the conflict in that disillusionment phase. And so we have to grasp the reality that the only constant thing on this planet is God. So we gotta stay connected there, but the inconsistencies around us will allow conflict to rise to the surface. But one thing that's a common denominator in all relationships, in all of the phases, oh, let me finish, honeymoon, disillusionment, and then commitment. You choose after disillusionment to either commit or not, right? So the, the common denominator in all these phases, the common denominator in all relationships is conflict. And that's what we're talking about today. Conflict is inevitable. It's not even communication. Some people are like, oh, it's communication. It's, that's probably a breakdown. And that's the reason why there's conflict. No, the, the common denominator is that there is always gonna be conflict in relationships. You cannot escape conflict. And it's just necessary. But the false narrative that we say to one another and we say in our minds is that, no, the perfect relationship is the one that is without uh, conflict. But I just want to give you a newsflash that we live in a very imperfect world. And if the imperfect world is slowly deteriorating and everything in it is slowly dying, then um, maybe the thing that feels like it's breaking you down is actually helping you build up conflict conflict. And what we say for everybody who goes through premarital counseling sessions here at the church, through the church, it's this program called Save Your Marriage Before It Starts. I recommend that for anybody who is seriously considering uh, marriage, but especially if you're engaged and you haven't talked about this, premarital counseling is wonderful. We love the program that we go through, the curriculum, Save Your Marriage Before It Starts. What it says there and the greatest nugget that we got out of that particular curriculum is that conflict is the price we pay for a deepening level of intimacy. 
Can I say that again? Conflict is the price we pay for a deepening level of intimacy. It is inevitable and it is necessary. So do not grow faint of heart. Don't grow faint of heart if you are in conflict with your spouse, with your boss, with your friends. It is an opportunity to grow deeper. And here's the thing. If we want kingdom building relationships, communication can't just be a tool to resolve conflicts, but rather a key for unlocking greater connection. Here's the thing. If the people of God, the kingdom of God is not connected and is not in unity, that the spirit of God cannot move among its people. He can move here, here, here. But what if there was a united body? What if there was a united church and we were loving one another well and we were resolving conflict in a healthy manner? What would happen? The spirit of God would move and the kingdom would advance. And that's what we're focused on here as a church. We're kingdom builders. We're building the kingdom. We're building something that is eternal. And here's the thing too, you're building something eternal in your life. The family that you're building, the relationships that you're building, those are building the kingdom. And those are the only things that you're gonna take to heaven. The things of this earth, the earthly things, they will pass away, but people will be in heaven with you. Not a location, not a house, not a car, not a job. We'll have different jobs up there, but it will be people. If we want to build the kingdom of God, we are going to gain the keys, grab the keys to kingdom building communication. And that communication must be led to connection. Connection, somebody say connection. All right, so here are the keys to kingdom building communication. You ready? All right, number one. And again, this is for everybody in the room. This isn't just for married couples. These are for friends. These are for dating. This is for workplaces. This is for communicating with your child. Jesus, help us. <laughs> number one, concern for the heart. Concern for the heart. The key to kingdom building is being concerned with the heart. One of my favorite books right now, and our book club is still in the middle of this. It's so deep. It's so, um, so much information that it's taken us over a year to be eight chapters in. <laughs> Just eight chapters. But this book is called The Renovation of the Heart. And I think many of us in this place need our hearts to be renovated. If you are having breakdown in your relationships, you better go check your heart. Check yourself <laughs> before you wreck yourself. Check your heart. Psalms 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. There's so many of us who are trusting in other things and the things that we're trusting in are not giving us a stability in our relationship with God or stability in our relationships. And what the things that we're trusting in, the overflow of our mouth is what we're trusting in. But what we wanna be as believers, as kingdom builders, are people who are trusting and standing on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and also the one who is the perfecter, the redeemer, the person who has given us a reason to believe. We wanna be firm on that foundation so that anything that comes out of our hearts through our mouths pleases him. What we say is acceptable worship to him or not, but it starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. Here's the thing, communication is shaped in your heart. It's shaped in your heart. 
Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. I mean, some of us, we are getting life from evil places and we're getting sustenance from evil places and the sustenance is a lie. It's gonna run out and you're gonna run dry and you're gonna be, you're gonna feel like you need more. You're not gonna be satisfied ever. (laughs) But some of the words that are coming out of our mouths are producing evil and toxic things because the, there's not purity in our hearts and the springs of our well are toxic. So keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. And Luke 6, 45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of his good evil treasure produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. You know what I think about that? actual scripture, it, it, it makes us no longer use the excuse, I didn't mean to. We can have grace for one another when we didn't mean to, but we cannot let that be our firm foundation. We cannot let that be what we stand on. And for far too long, we've been doing relationships in an unhealthy manner, and we have just rested and used that as a crush, I didn't mean to. But you know what that is? That's not taking responsibility for what is taking place in your hearts. And so Jesus, purify our hearts. I wanna live and, and breathe and have my being with the spirit of God who gives me life so that anything that he's doing in my heart, the correction, the reproof, the, the excitement, um, even the sadness, even all those things, I want it to produce something that will give life to other people. Oh God, check my heart. Right now we gotta check our hearts. Check yourself. Keys to kingdom building is number one, concern for the heart. But number two, contend for connection. Contend for connection. Anybody else like me sometimes forget what you're fighting about when you're fighting particularly with your spouse? Yeah, anyone? Yeah? Well, I want to tell you about the first fight that I had with my husband as a married woman. Uh, If you've heard the story before, I apologize for you having to hear it again, but it's a great reminder for me and a bit humbling, okay? So uh, we got married about 15 years ago. Um, Our first week of honeymooning was in in Hawaii. And then the second week we went to Truckee and it was just in this log cabin. And the first snow fell in that region. And it was like, we got the best of both worlds, the beach and then the winter and we're locked in a cabin. And when you're locked in a cabin, you're supposed to be doing stuff, right? Oh, come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about. It's not PG-13 yet, all right? <laughs> so you're doing something. And But what we did was uh, we were playing ping pong. And so now all my friends in college, it's okay that I'm sharing this, right? Because they all say, oh, you're playing ping pong, right? Okay. But no, we really, we were playing ping pong, okay? <laughs> there, was a, there was a great ping pong table, brand new, great paddles. And if you are a ping ponger, you know what I'm talking about. The ball had the perfect bounce, okay? And it was really bouncy, okay? So we're playing ping pong. And at that time, Caleb and I were pretty, you know, we were pretty level. We we're both really good. And so it was like, he won, I won. He won, I won. And then he won, won, won. And if you know me, my pride was getting a hit because I win. Aren't Asians good at this? I'm sorry, I don't even know if I should say that. Oh, Jesus, help me. Okay, keep going. Um, Hi, mom, love you. Thank you for being Filipino. So here's the thing. He wins three times in a row. 
And I'm so mad. I feel humiliated a little bit because I'm like, I still got to show him that I'm good. He married an athlete, right? <laughs> Ping pong, whatever. And then I win, 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 win. And then I'm like, what? Are you taking it easy on me now? And I start getting mad at him for taking it maybe easy on me. He's like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, yeah, you are. But do you see that? I was already mad about the three losses. So even when I'm winning, I'm mad at him. And so what do I do? I, you know, lightly toss the ping pong paddle and it went underneath the net. And it may have gone all the way to his side to like brush him here, but I just tossed it, right? I was a little angry. I, I mean, I really did toss it, but he loves to tell the story. Then she threw the paddle at me. No, I didn't. But it brushed him. And then I realized I am fighting for something that I've already won. I'm, I'm fighting for nothing. I'm, I'm not even fighting for the right thing anymore. But this is what happens in our relationships when we're contending for the wrong thing. We start fighting about the wrong thing and we start fighting about being the right person. We want to be right in our arguments and in our conflict, but the goal is actually connection. The goal is that we would connect with one another. And so the conflicts that we're having should be inducing greater connection. But if the, the, this whole idea of conflict and, and kingdom building communication, if that starts in our hearts, then we have to understand that that hits our emotions before we ever say anything or behave any way. So what are you contending for? Can you contend for connection? I love this because our church and a bunch of couples have gone through something called Connection Codes. We love it. Um, it's a great curriculum, uh, very research-based, uh, kingdom-minded, biblically sound, a lot of scientific research around it, but it's this thing called Connection Codes. And I wanna give you this, and this is totally for free. Um, but this is an exercise that they gave us in Connection Codes. Married couples have gone through this. Dating couples, engaged couples have gone through this. And if, and if we get enough people who really want to do this after the series, um, I'm speaking, but can I do that as a lead pastor? We might go ahead and do it, even though we're not scheduled to do it until the summer. But I, I want you guys to have some tools. Caleb and I found this very simple tool, along with a lot of therapy, to help us in our marriage. And Connection Codes has really helped us. But here's an exercise that we learned from here. Um, that for four minutes a day, each of you go through something called the emotional wheel. If you want to fight for connection in your marriage, in your relationships, with your boss, I've used this not just with my husband, I have used this with my friends. I've used this with my son after he had a hard day. I said, let's go through the emotional wheel. And the goal is not to be like, to air all grievances. The goal is that you would connect. So for two minutes, you need to go through every single one of these emotions, joy, anger, shame, guilt, fear, loneliness, sad, hurts. Isn't it interesting that within all of these core emotions in the human being, joy seems like the only positive one. But can I tell you, even though the others seem negative, God wants to use that to turn it for his good. And these things that seem bad, like conflict seems bad, these addressing and understanding our emotions that seem negative are actually gonna help you be more connected to the person you're trying to connect with. And so here's what we do, Caleb, we do it every Friday. We're very intentional. If not Friday, Saturday morning, because sometimes he likes to golf and sometimes I like to get my nails done, okay? So here's what we do. We go for two minutes. Caleb will go through joy, anger, shame, guilt, fear, lonely, sad, hurt. 
You might be thinking, okay, some of those are pretty easy. Lonely, when was the last time I was lonely? If you're kind of confused by that, I used to be confused by this. I was like, no, I'm not lonely. I'm surrounded by people. I'm surrounded by my family all the time. You guys are always there. You know? So this, I'm surrounded by people. I'm surrounded. But when you're lonely, sometimes it just means that you weren't supported. I didn't feel supported in that meeting that we had in front of the staff and then blew up into a fight after we met with our staff, right? The staff and then blew up into a fight. Those are the things. And no, hey, Caleb was like, I didn't feel supported when you just threw that on me last minute and didn't communicate what was on your calendar. You know, those, that's when you can feel lonely in those unsupported times. I think about hurt. That one's like, everybody hurts me. I'm hurt all the time. But sometimes hurt is like, starts as an offense and then it's a prolonged pain. And so we have to identify these things. If we're not connecting with people, then we are not growing in our emotional intelligence. And can I make a note? Every time each partner goes through your friend, your child, whatever, you can only take two minutes. And the other person, you're like, what do I do? What do I do? I just listen. Yeah, you just shut your mouth. <laughs> you just go, oh, okay. No rebuttals. Just listen. Sometimes listening gives you the opportunity to know your partner, to know them well. So we got to get emotionally intelligent. Here, Pete Sketzer says he's a pastor and an author, and he's been helping organizations and pastors and leaders get healthy emotionally. He says this, it is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Contending for connection is not fighting the other person, fighting for them to see your way even. Like, oh, I'm fighting for a relationship. They just need to see it this way. No. Fighting or contending for connection, it looks like you making a choice. God wants his kingdom to be powerful. And if the kingdom is gonna be powerful, then each of you are powerful and you have choices to make. You are more powerful when you know that you have a choice. People are powerful when they have choices and God is a God who loves and he bases, he bases everything off of our choices. Our obedience to him or not. Our decision to move closer to him or not. So you have a choice. And so there's some questions that we have to ask ourselves when we're making choices. Number one, will I be resentful? If what I'm communicating will only lead to the other person being resentful or myself getting more resentful, laying out these expectations and not getting those expectations met, then I should probably either maybe not say it at all or say it and take responsibility for it. Okay, do you hear me? Here's the thing. When I think about taking responsibility, I love what Caleb does. He's been a great example. I'm not saying that I'm 98% wrong in situations a lot, and he's only 2%, but it's a great example that he will always say, I will take responsibility for the 2% I'm wrong, even though you are a wild and crazy woman, and the 98% you're wrong. But the humility in my husband, because he's contending for a connection, and there's times I do it too. I don't wanna, like, Caleb is not perfect, but he will say, oh, let me just, 2%, I'm wrong. Oh, when my child has been going, going crazy, there may have been an instance, I don't want to embarrass my children, but they were very angry <laughs> after that loss um, to the point where I was just kind of like, oh gosh, are those, whose kids are those? Arr, not mine, not the coaches. They look just like me. <laughs> um, acted a certain way and I was just like, you know what? I'm sorry I didn't address I, I got mad at them first. You know, they shouldn't have acted the way they acted or responded to the game or the refs the way they did. <laughs> I won't tell you the story. Um, but 
I acknowledged that I was like, I shouldn't have come down on you and threatened to not let you play the next game. I should have helped you figure out how to lose well. Like, this is what happens sometimes. Jesus, help your pastor. <laughs> well, not Jesus' pastor, your pastor, anyway. Uh, so take responsibility for what you can. Be the two percenter. If you're 0.9% wrong, take responsibility for that. Your next choice, will I retaliate? Let me tell you, retaliation looks like either suppressing or expressing. It could be one or the other. Sometimes people are like, oh, it's just the retaliation is like launching attacks on the person, right? Oh, no, 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 no. The offensive person could also look like the suppressing person. The expressive person, see, here's the thing. In my family, I'm like, oh, you're so, you know, and I can be this way in relationship with people, my kids, my husband, my friends, whatever. I can be exuberant. I'm like, I'm brown, I can, you know? And then Caleb is over here and he's a different color. And he goes, and he goes, I suppress everything because that's how I was raised and I'm emotionally man, I'm a man, you know, I didn't. And it's through the years we've realized that both are ways of retaliating in our relationship. And the longer we're married, I thank God, thank God for the growth. If we're staying the same, Jesus, God help your relationships. If you're saying it's the same and you're not growing your relationship, Ask God for some help. He needs to give you some supernatural help. But we're gonna move closer to the middle. Caleb and I are moving closer to the middle and to the point where I'm almost surprised when he, he expresses himself and then he's surprised when I can actually calm down. Let's surprise our spouses. Let's surprise our children. Let's surprise our friends. Let's surprise our, our bosses. I don't know what your history is with that, but let's not retaliate because retaliation only leads to regret. Your next choice is, will I resolve? Here, here, here's what's happening. Instead of resolving, I have four things that I think that we end up doing. We get hysterical. And I don't even want to say that it's just women. I think women and men, we all get hysterical sometimes because when we don't get our way, we, we, we act a fool whether we're screaming or we're not, right? But Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. My favorite proverb, even a fool is thought wise when he shuts his mouth or hers mouth. <laughs> or we get historical and we're like, oh yeah, but remember when this, and remember that I'm gonna ignore the major growth that you've had in your life for the last year or even the last month. And I'm just gonna talk about the past and past, 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 past. If that is what you're trying to be powerful in, you're just being historical. That's actually really weak. First Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrong. Will I resolve? I don't know. Your choices, are you going to be hysterical? You're gonna, are you going to get hysterical? Are you going to get historical? Or are you going to get hypothetical? If this happens, then this is probably the case because I just know. Hypothetical. If the dishes aren't done, it's just because he's, he's trying to passively, aggressively tell me that I'm not doing a good job. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, folks. If she's not being intimate with me, it may be, it's probably because she's just mad at me and she's selfish and she's insecure. Oh, or you're just, you hurt her. First Corinthians 13, seven, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. God is telling us that if you're gonna love, you're gonna believe the best. No more hypotheticals. Believe the best. Maybe trust some patterns, but also believe the best and help them through the patterns that are negative, right? There are patterns, but we wanna believe the best. I'm 
telling you, we need to stay ridiculously hopeful for our relationships. We need to stay ridiculously hopeful for the other person to change, for me to change, to take responsibility. Focus on the positive rather than the negative. If we're not getting hysterical or historical or hypothetical, we're getting hurtful. Hurt people hurt people. You've heard it a million times. And my best advice to you when you are trying to make powerful choices is that you're never gonna make powerful choices if you are wounded. Get healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Get healed in Jesus' name. And can I tell you, there's moments where we have prayer partners up here and we're just like, oh, just, I just pray for my day tomorrow. And that's okay. <laughs> pray for your day tomorrow. But also some of us need to be delivered from something. I want you to know that this church believes 100% in the power of the Holy Spirit and that He can totally, completely deliver you from the demons of your past, your present demons, and you will not have future demons in Jesus' name. Not the same ones. We believe in the deliverance of the Holy Spirit in this place. Get healed. Third, I gotta move because I gotta go to South Sac, y'all. And also, you know what? We are leaving time for you to really meet with God about your hearts. So I don't want you to leave after my message. I want you to, to meet with the Holy Spirit. He wants to address your heart. But the next key, the kingdom, is being cognizant of our candor. We just talked about this with our staff. We love our staff so much. You know, these we do the emotional wheel with our staff. This is a, a useful tool, a wonderful tool. But we talked about how candor, it really is unreserved honesty and sincere expression. And I think some of you, if you know the Enneagram, you're an Enneagram 8, and you're like, yes, finally, a reason to tell them the truth. You know? <laughs> no, we're not just telling them the truth and dinging it into them. No, we're just being honest, but our honesty has to be sprinkled. No, 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 not sprinkled, doused with grace. Do you hear me? 100% truth and 100% grace. That is Jesus. And if we want to be more like Jesus, we're going to be like him. Unreserved honesty, sincere expression. But here's what Ephesians 4, 2 through 3 says. Let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. If your candor is reserved only for negative feedback, then we are not being kingdom builders. If your feedback is only candor for the negative things, we need to start getting candid about the positive things. We have to have the positive intent for other people. And when we are correcting people, it is going to be a little negative, but we can do it with grace. Can we leave some space for grace? We saw saying a song, I will make room for you. I will make room in my candor for the one who is the truth teller. And that is Jesus. And finally, the last key of the kingdom, and I gotta go, I gotta go, is commitment to submission. You know, um, Ephesians 4 was my whole message at Sisters Night. Who was that Sisters Night? We danced and cut up a rug. It was a good time, wasn't it? Um, ladies, make sure you go. Brotherhood, May is the next Brotherhood Night. But it was a wonderful time, and, and my message was really based off of Ephesians 4, Ephesians is all about um, a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus because Ephesians was kind of the epicenter for worship, okay? And he had done a lot of work there to see a lot of people come to know the Lord, um, come to know Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior. So there were Jews that were coming to the saving knowledge of Christ, and then there were Gentiles. And all these people in the epicenter of worship, they're, they're getting to, to, to start mixing. And they have a lot of different backgrounds. 
and he was writing a letter from prison years later and he said, you guys got to learn to be united so the Spirit of God can move through his church and his church must advance. So this is what's happening in Ephesians. And, and, and when I'm talking about submission, I think a lot of us are like, oh yeah, Ephesians 5, you know, in the, in the end of that chapter, it's talking about wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And really the goal of submission is that we would look more like Jesus because husbands and wives, you get to submit to your, your wife like Jesus submitted to God. And Jesus submitted to God and said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, my, your will, God. So men, you submit like, like Christ did. And women, you submit and you give your life Oh, excuse me, that was backwards. The women, you submit to God the way Jesus submitted to God. And men, you submit to the, ch to, to the church and you lay down your life for the church. Men, you lay down your life for your women. But here's the thing, it's like, oh yeah, yes, women submit, wives submit. Okay, men too. <laughs> but the verse before that, verse 21, it says, can you pull it up for me? I, I actually forgot to put it on here. This is the section where it's talking about, talking about walking in love. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ, out of an acceptable worship that is given to our Lord and Savior. Everyone, every single one of us, Submit to one another. That means don't just create this hierarchy in your mind of like submit to the pastor, submit to the leader, submit to God, only God and nobody else. No, here's God and here's the rest of us. Here's my son who knew, has known Jesus for less than 10 years. Here he is and I've known him for over 40 years of my life. So he's here, I'm here. The, the person who has, um, Caleb, he has multiple degrees in theology. And then the person who took a course at Project Church. We're all on the same level. There's no hierarchy here. God's there and we're down here. So submit to one another in love. If we want the kingdom to advance, then we are going to recognize our place and we're gonna submit to him and submit to one another in love and our communication and the way that we handle conflict. Worship team, if you would make your way back up here. Listen, I want you to be able to connect better with the body of Christ so that the kingdom can advance, but also so that your family and your future generations can see that Jesus is good, that we serve a good God, that we serve a good King, that we serve a King who loves us so much that he will not leave you the same after this message. When we are in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he changes us from the inside inside out. You are to be formed into the likeness of Christ. You're not going to be perfect like him, but you're going to continue to submit to him and submit to one another and be held accountable to the body of Christ so that you can look more like Jesus. If you want the keys to building the kingdom, then you are going to be continually submitting. Would you bow your heads in this place? Oh, Jesus, have your way. Have your way. Would you stand? Actually, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna sing a song, and let this be a declaration. Let this to be a declaration of what we talked about here in this place. I don't want you to leave. We left plenty of time, so you know. I know you have brunch plans, plans, lunch plans, but we left space intentionally for you to meet with Jesus. This is a time to take a look at our hearts. The light 
of the Father wants to be shed on our hearts so that the God who consumes it, the God of the consuming fire, God himself is a consuming fire. He wants to burn off anything that should not remain because there are some yucky things that are gonna come to the surface when we take a close look at our heart and he's allowing it come to the surface. And some of you are like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, oh, but maybe I should. And yes, once and for all, he wants to sift it out of your heart and form your heart into the likeness of Christ's. Amen? So let's take a look at our hearts, ponder it, and then we'll sing this song. Come on, let's worship Him today. Let's worship Him today. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.